Advent is uh, one of uh, two seasons of preparation in our Christian calendar. Of course, Lent is the other uh, season of preparation. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's uh, I don't know, I, I, I enjoy, as you guys know, uh, I enjoy seasons of preparation. Uh, I think uh, the, uh, the early church was right and recognizing not only the significance of the resurrection and the birth of Jesus, but uh, recognizing that one day was not enough <laughs> for us to celebrate. Uh, that both of them required a period of time for us to kind of build up and prepare for that celebration. Uh, the, the, the beauty of both of these key events is that although the, the birth of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus happened a couple of thousand years ago, in Advent and in Lent, we are literally preparing for the birth and the resurrection, or more specifically, the coming of Jesus and the resurrection of our souls. The beauty of these two key events in history that all uh, culminate in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is that they not only had a old uh, a, a, a meaning 2,000 years ago, but they still have a meaning today. With Lent, we are preparing to join Jesus in his resurrection. And so we celebrate his resurrection on Easter, but we spend that time in Lent preparing our whole hearts and souls in, again, hope that we will be found in Jesus when our day of death comes, and that like him, we will resurrect and be with him for all eternity. Same with Advent uh, at Christmas. We are, are not just celebrating the birth that came some time ago, or was some time ago, but is all, we also look forward, of course, to Jesus' eventual return, his final return when we all get to join him in that eternal kingdom. So Advent and Lent are, are I think, important seasons for us to observe as a church and why I promote them like I do uh, as your pastor. This year for Advent, uh, we will, as you've already noticed, we'll be uh, observing the candle, the Advent candles and the lightings. And uh, there are, you probably know this, but there are five traditional themes of Advent for the four Sundays before and then Christmas Eve. Hope, faith, joy, peace, and love are those themes. And so as we uh, light the candles uh, this year, uh, we will be each Sunday and Christmas Eve highlighting each of those different themes. When I uh, began to think about and pray about what the Lord would have me preach for my Advent series, he has called me actually to kind of step away from those themes in some sense, although they'll be incorporated in my messages, and instead to consider the names of Christ as uh, expressed in Isaiah 9 verse 6. We read that uh, earlier in our candle lighting, and I actually read it again here right now, actually. Let's do it. Because I want to I include a couple other verses. So we're going to start with verse 2 and read through 7. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. 
You have multiplied the nations. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressors, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramp, tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Amen. This passage, this prophecy from Isaiah was certainly an encouragement to the people of Israel People of Israel in times of struggle and battle, in times uh, of, of, uh, of ex- exile, and of times of just dealing with their own struggle against sin. These, pa- these, the, these verses were an encouragement that, that, the, the, that the battle was going to end. And the sign that that battle was going to end was the birth. The birth of a child, the birth of a son. (laughs) Amazing, amazing that the end of battle would come through a baby. But the amazing thing is that it was the moment that Jesus was born, that that was the beginning of the end for sin, for evil, and for Satan. The final nail, of course, in the coffin of evil was Jesus' resurrection from the dead. It was at that point that Jesus became the victor. It was at that point that the chains that we all were bound into sin and to evil and to Satan were finally broken. Jesus, in that moment of resurrection, defeated sin, defeated death, defeated evil, defeated Satan all in one well swoop. Not only did he defeat them and become the victor, but we who come to Jesus, we who seek Jesus, we who bow our knee to Jesus have the privilege of being on the winning side, of being victors with him. Now, we are in a time where Satan and evil and sin continue to wreak havoc in our world. But we must understand that Jesus has already won the battle. That the battle is over and while Satan is battling us still, understand that it's like like garbage time in a football game. Yes, it's been a while since I brought up football, so it's time for me to bring up football. It's like garbage time in a football game. Like when the game is over, when it's out of reach, there's no way that the team that has less points is ever going to catch the team that has most points. 
And it's garbage time. So Satan is operating in garbage time. He knows the end is sure. He knows that he has been defeated, yet he's still striving to try to score those last few points if he can. So we are in this time. We are in garbage time, if you will, of this era. We are in that time when the victory has been already sealed. It's, it's done. The only thing we're waiting for is the time to finally tick off, to finally come to the triple zeros across the board, and then we get to enter eternity. But in garbage time, understand that we're fighting a defeated foe. It's, it's not so much that we need to score. It's not so much that we need to worry about them scoring. But it's this that we need to continue to fight, to limit the damage as much as we can. I so appreciated Sarah's uh, words this morning about being on the offensive. And I think that fits in this really well, that we would recognize that our role in this era of garbage time is not to be on the defensive against Satan, worried about where he's going to hit next or what he's going to do next or what bomb he's going to throw or what run he's going to play, whatever. It is. We have to, we're not on the defensive in garbage time. We are on the offensive in garbage time. We are continuing to add to the score. We are continuing to score touchdowns. We're continuing to drive through their defense. We're continuing to be aggressive and attack the gates of hell. Amen? The beautiful thing I think about Isaiah as well is that not only does it uh, uh, talk about this future when Jesus is going to be victorious, but we, those of us who are now living after the victory has been won, he promises that in this garbage time, that he is going to be with us. That he's not leaving us alone. It's not like he spikes the ball in the end zone and just took off and he's going to watch from the sidelines or he's going to watch go ahead and you know, go to hit the showers because the game's over. The starting quarterback has not left the field. The starting quarterback is still with us. He's still fighting with us. He's still directing us and leading us. And the beautiful thing about Isaiah, again, he gives us four ways in which God, Jesus, is with us. He's with us as a wonderful counselor. He's with us as a mighty God. He's with us as everlasting Father. And he's with us as Prince of Peace. Let's zero our focus onto a wonderful counselor this morning. What is a good counselor? I've spent some time counseling in my, uh, in my lifetime as you know, a pastor. Sometimes that's kind of what you're expected to do, uh, maybe more so than maybe you want to at times, but it's just a part of the job. It's part of life, and maybe many of you, even if you're not pastors, you've been in counseling-type uh, situations where you have a friend who is in need, and they come to you, and you have an opportunity to counsel and care, them, care for them. So what does it mean to be a good counselor? First of all, I think it means to be available. That we would recognize that, uh, that we, have a, we, have a, we have a Savior, again, as we've sung all morning, who is with us. 
Jesus, as uh, our counselor, as a good counselor, he is, he is with us. He's available to us. He's ready for us. He has time to meet with us. The amazing reality of Jesus is that, you know, millions of people around the world who are worshiping him and are seeking his attention, he's able to give all of us his attention. It's, it's hard to believe that that's a reality, but it's true. There's no line that we have to wait in. I know in, in Reading and many other different cultures, like it's, or, uh, cities, it's hard sometimes to find a counselor because all of the counselors are booked up. There's just not enough counselors. And so you have to sometimes wait in line or you have to wait months before you can even see a counselor for the first time to see if it works out, right? You know, if this is going to work. Well, that's not the case with Jesus. He is always available. He's always got a time slot just for us. He's always near us. He's always ready. He came, and when Jesus came as a baby, Emmanuel, he's never left. Because the moment when Jesus rose from the dead, what did he do? He sent his spirit, right? Not rose from the dead, but when he ascended, actually. He ascended, and then he sent his spirit, right? So we have his spirit with us who dwells within us. Jesus is always with us, and he always wants to help us. Have you ever thought of this? Jesus loves being with you. May we love being with Jesus. What else does it take to be a good counselor? A good counselor needs to be able to listen. Be a good listener, right? You know, I think that's one of the challenges of being a counselor, I think, for me sometimes, is you get a little distracted, right? You know, they're kind of droning on and on and on. You're like, come on, get to the point, right? You know, whatever. And you start thinking about other things, right? Or you start, you know, kind of getting, you know, distracted from what's going on. Need to be, in order to be a good counselor, you need to be able to listen. And this is, again, something that Jesus does so well. He hears our prayers, right? He hears our prayers, 1 Peter 3, 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and, the ear, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. We have a God who hears our prayers. He's open. When we speak, he's listening. Matter of fact, when we think, he's listening. He is always there. He loves to hear our prayers, and he understands our plight. Like, you know, sometimes it can be hard to have a counselor who, who doesn't, hasn't experienced some of the things that you're experiencing. Sometimes the best counselor, the best mentor is someone who's kind of been there before, right? They've gone before you in a sense, and so they can understand maybe the struggles you're going through. Jesus understands the struggle. Remember, he came as a baby. He was born, right? He had to grow up. He had to mature. He had to learn. He had to develop right? He went through the struggles, the temptations, the fights that we've had to go through. He understands our situation. So he, and he's empathetic to that. And he's a great listener. He gives us great eye contact, right? He he has patience with us. He's never distracted. He's never fidgeting in his chair. Think about that. Now, again, we can't see Jesus, and so sometimes we just think, oh, it doesn't really matter. No, no, no. Stop and think. We have a God who loves us. We have a Jesus, a Savior who is with us always. He is always waiting for us to come to him. He always loves to hear from his children. 
It's, it's like a parent. You know, I know uh, Debbie and I, as we've become a parents of adult kids, you know, parents of teenagers, this really became, when they're little kids, you know, there was times when you're like, oh my gosh, this story is going on forever. Could you just stop or, or whatever? Like you're just like, oh, and you can't, it's just really. But when they got to be teenagers and they start doing like this to you, right? And then when they're adult children and they really start to do this to you, then all you long for is for them to come and just sit and dump on you. Like tell all the stories. I don't care how dumb they are or boring they are. Just tell, just speak to me, you will, would you? Right? And that's Jesus. Like all the time, he's always wanting us. Please come, tell me what's going on. Share your boring details. I'm here. I'm listening. I want to hear it. I want to live life with you. This is the kind of listener we have. He loves to hear our voices. He wants us to be, he wants us to use him as a sounding board. You know, for those verbal processors like myself, like I love to just talk to God about the stuff, right? And then as I'm doing it, you know, it's like he gives me insight, right? Or journaling can be a great, it's amazing the insights. He interacts with us in that, but he's a great listener. What's another important part of being a good counselor? Maybe it's the most important part. As a good counselor has to be able to give good wisdom. And good wisdom, good counsel is, I think, three things. It's understandable, it's practical, and it helps. <laughs> understandable. Uh, the, one of the challenges for, uh, as, a, as a youth pastor is, uh, you know, you, you, counseling teenagers is, uh, you know, I, you know, thankfully I started when I was almost a teenager, right? So it kind of helped. But, you know, one of the challenges of being a youth pastor or even working with children is that you've got to somehow listen, but then be able to give them advice in their language in a way that they can understand, right? Otherwise, it's like, it's worthless. It's pointless. Uh, I had a conversation recently with an 11-year-old boy to have a bunch of questions about God, right? And he's asking all of these different questions. And, and I was, you know, instantly reminded, oh, yeah, that's right. I used to be a youth pastor. I used to be good at this, right? As I'm trying to share some of these deep, dark, you know, tough questions that he has, you know, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's a big one. How do we? And so I start giving, but as soon as I gave too much detail, he was like, Okay, you know, I just checked out, right? He didn't want to know anymore, right? Because I wasn't able to speak his language, right? I wasn't able to speak. So wisdom, first of all, has to be understandable. And this is the amazing thing about Jesus is he knows our language. <laughs> he can speak to us. Uh, it's amazing how he knows exactly what we need, how to communicate it in a way that we can receive it. Second of all, though, that advice, that counsel has to be practical, in other words, it has to be something we can do. Like, you know, if you, you have this big problem, you dump it on a counselor, and the counselor says, oh, well, you know, all you got to do is uh, win the lottery, and all your problems will be done, right? I'm like, ah, okay, <laughs> whatever, right? You know, it's like, no way, that's not possible. I can't do that. I don't have that power, right? But so, so uh, the advice, the counsel that we receive has to be practical. And Jesus' counsel is always practical. Because, again, he knows us perfectly. He knows what we can do, but here's the, here's the even better thing. He knows how to empower us to do the things that we can't do, right? And so his, his advice is always practical. And then finally, of course, it's got to be helpful. And the advantage that Jesus has in the wisdom category is that he knows all, <laughs> right? He, you know, the challenge for a counselor is that there's always stuff that we don't know. Not just about, you know, the future or whatever, but we don't always know what 
is even going on in this person's life that's sharing. They've shared some of it, but we don't know all of the details. We don't know all the nuances, right? God knows all of that. So this is the great thing about Jesus. He can give great advice because he knows us perfectly. He knows the rest of the world perfectly, and he knows the future perfectly. And so the advice he gives is always helpful. We should always listen to it. We should always abide in it. We should always follow through what he calls us to because his advice is always perfect. It's a beautiful and powerful truth. We have access to perfect wisdom. So a a good counselor is one who's available One who's near, who's open to us coming and sharing. But it's also one who is able to really listen well. Who's not sitting there anxiously waiting for their chance to say something, but sits in silence and hears and understands. And a good counselor is one who's able then to communicate good counsel, good advice in an understandable, practical, and helpful way. But... What makes Jesus a wonderful counselor? The reality is, is we as human beings can actually be good counselors. Some that make a living at it, right? Some people that you know, actually do pretty well, that, that, that are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do good counsel. But there's a difference between human good counsel and, of course, wonderful counselor. The wonderful aspect of Jesus as counselor is his amazing grace, his powerful mercy, and his deep, deep love for us. We have a God who loves us. He's not out to, like, hurt us in any way. He's a good God. He desires to bless us. He desires what's best for us. So not only does he have all of this knowledge, not only has, does he have all this presence with us, but he desires good things. He loves us and wants us to be near. He doesn't just like tolerate us being near. He loves us and wants to listen to us. He doesn't, want to, he doesn't just have to listen to us. He loves us and wants to do good things for us and lead us in good ways and direct our paths in right ways. We have a God who loves us and that is why he is wonderful. Because of the fact that he loves us so deeply and he's proven that love through his death on the cross for us. Right? Romans 5, yet 8. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Galatians 2.20 is no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us, right? Through us, right? Because he loved us. Because he so wanted intimate relationship with us. We have a wonderful counselor because of his deep, deep love for us. And because he loves us and because he is wonderful, then we should listen to him. We should lean into him. We should seek him. We should always trust in his faithfulness. Familiar passage, Pastor Bob's favorite one. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make straight your paths. Amen? Amen. All right. Worship team, why don't you come up?
Church, we are still in garbage time. Satan and sin and evil are still around us wreaking havoc. But understand that we are not alone. More than that, understand that we are, victor, we are victors with Christ. We have the victory already. And he is continuing to help us in this time. He is near us. He's listening to us. He's giving us wise counsel. This Advent season, may we pause. May we pause more often to sit with our wonderful counselor, to share our hearts, whether whether it's just, you know, talking about the events of the day or the mysteries of the day, or maybe even about the things that we're frustrated about, maybe even frustrated with him about. This Advent season, may we take time, more time, to sit with him, to become more aware of his presence with us, to share our life intentionally with him, I mean, I, I, I don't know, have you ever done that? Like, have you ever just kind of talked about, talked to Jesus about life like you would somebody else? Or is your prayer always the, you know, God, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this, or could you do this, could you do that? Is that our prayer life? If that's your prayer life, I mean, that's part of praying, that's part of taking our, 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 our concerns to the Lord, we need to do that. But have you ever just like sat with him on a bench out, you know, next to the river and just started talking to him? Like, like somebody's sitting, like he's sitting right next to you. Like, obviously, like he's with us, right? Always. So just, may we share our life with Jesus. More so this, ad, this Advent season. And as we do that, may we also include time to listen. What is he saying? If you're going to be a good counselee, you have to not only be able to talk, but you have to also listen. And so as we sit and we just share life with Jesus, make sure you take some time at the end to just stop and listen. Knowing that the words that he gives, the impressions that he makes on your heart in those times, understand that, that those are pearls of wisdom that should not be trampled, but should be consumed to be taken with us, to, 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 to live it out. Because it's perfect wisdom. Because of his perfect love for us. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are with us, Lord, that you are a wonderful counselor, Lord. We thank you that even though uh, the evil one is continuing to wreak havoc in our world, and even though he continues, we even personally continue to struggle with sin in our own life, that you have won the battle. And because we are in you, we have victory as well. Lord, help us to not live our lives on the defense but Lord, help us to be on the offense, continuing to not fear Satan's attacks, but instead be the aggressor in attacking back and continuing to take people's souls with you. 
continuing to take new ground, new souls, new places around the world. Lord, empower us to do so. Help us to not fear. Help us to recognize you are near and with us. Help us to know that you are listening to us. That in our struggle, in our, in our, in our uh, times of tension, that we can come to you and you speak and you hear and you speak. And Lord, help us to trust the counsel that you give. That we would follow you wherever you lead, knowing that it's always in the perfect direction. Psalm 91, favorite for many of us. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. God says about us, because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Merry Christmas. If you can stay, please do. We need help decorating this place. It's going to take a lot of uh, a lot of hands and a lot of help. If you need to pray, prayer this morning, please come forward. We would love to pray for you. Merry Christmas. Have a great Sunday.